so I thought that was interesting because it kind of helped kind of shape a lot of those little decisions and the things that you guys did, you know, back in the before times. Yeah. Kind of shaped your attitudes towards games when it came to me and Michael. So, um, so I thought we would just do this kind of like an interview. Um, I know all the answers, but we're gonna kind of we're gonna make pretend um, because I think uh, it's the, the the lesson I think people are gonna come out of with this is that um, you know there is the things that we care about as parents absolutely pass on to our kids and the support we give them in their hobbies and their interests absolutely um, kind of carries on and has an impact. And I think that's important for us to remember, you know, if, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about maybe if we can extract some moral lessons from it later. I think we will. So, Mom, you said that gaming and, you know, obviously not video games, but like games in general have been important to you. I get. I think it sounds like forever. Yeah. When I grew up in a family where we really loved to play cards, and that was the really that was a really big social thing for us in our family. In particular, my mother and I um, had two or three card games that we loved to play, and it was always part of um, any kind of a like if we were camping together or if we were going someplace, like we would go to Maine to visit their parents. Whenever we did something social, we always had cards with us and sitting and playing cards with my mother and in Maine with my grandmother and my great-grandmother. Um, this It was an important part of our time together and we really, really loved playing cards and games. Mostly Monopoly. There weren't a lot of games around when I was a kid, but, um, but many different card games. And then when I went to college, um, there were two or three people in particular, a college roommate I had for a couple of years that we played cards all the time. We played Spike Malice. We played, you know, a lot of different um, card games that were popular at the time. And then, um, so it just has always been like a real important social thing for me. And it was for your dad as well. When we got married and he was a student at the seminary in Bangor, um, games were how we socialized. Nobody had very much money. We were all college students. We were all broke. But the big thing we used to do every Friday and Saturday night is we would potluck a meal, potluck some hors d'oeuvres, desserts, whatever, and play games. And so it was that was what we did for fun. And we played a, we played a couple of board games. Board games were way big then. And yes, we played Monopoly and we played Clue. We had a lot of fun with Clue. Um, mostly we played war, which is kind of funny since it was a seminary, but war was the big game. We had a lot of couples that really liked to play that. So that's what we would do. We would get together and, and play board games. Different people owned one or two games, and, uh, and we would get together. So it's, it's been a real important part of our life when, before we had kids, when we were growing up. Sure. And so the... So Let's say, you know, so, I mean, obviously the board game market has just gone crazy in recent years. Um, do you think if we just kind of transplanted your kind of college experience to now that you guys would have 
gotten into that board game thing just the same and just been playing kind of some of the designer games like we were? Or do you think that that was a product of the time that those cards were just what you had and you made do with it? Um, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, cards were what we had. I have to tell you, I'm so impressed with the board games now. The artwork and the theory behind them the lessons that you learn from playing them, the strategies are much, much more sophisticated um, and absolutely like physically beautiful and fun to play with. And so it's, um, I, I'm sure that that would have appealed to us. And we might have, like, instead of picking out a couple decks of cards every time, we might have had one or two favorite board games um, that we played more at the time. So they are, they're really great. I'm just so impressed with um, what they offer now, especially the artwork. They're beautiful, they're just beautiful. Man, and having seen some of the games that are coming out in the next couple of years, yeah, I can, you, 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 don't, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. It's just getting crazy. So, um, yeah, I like to think that, I, I like to imagine, you know, you and dad when you were, you know, in, you know, in graduate school and things like that, um, or seminary, you know, playing Ticket to Ride, you know, just, it just, it just strikes me as something that would have happened now that you guys have told me those stories. So, so obviously, games were important forever for you guys. And maybe not so much for Dad, but he, he jumped right on the bandwagon when, when he met you. Well, um, and he was big at Trivial Pursuit. That was, it was during the time in the late 70s when we were first married, um, Trivial Pursuit was just coming out. And Dad was particularly good at Trivial Pursuit, which we always played in teams, and everybody wanted to be on Dad's team because he had this base of knowledge of geography and world history and American history that he just really excelled at that game. And I think it was it was while we were playing Trivial Pursuit that Dad really developed the love for doing something social because he felt, you know, he was really comfortable in that genre. Sure. Well, we do know he's always loved trivia games, yeah. um, which is cool. So he, um, so we do know, you know, he always loved trivia games, and that's, you know, that's pretty cool. So what, what I kind of fast forwarding a little bit, I remember, you know, after I was, you know, born, and after Michael was born, I, you know, we lived in the parsonage in Winchester, and you guys had this closet that was always kind of mythical. Us um, and part of that was because at, when we were very very young, we were not allowed to go into it um, because you didn't want us to you know bust up the games. Um, it wasn't until we were so old that you couldn't really stop us that we went in and then busted up all the games. So I I apologize for that. But um, that you had a closet that was full of games and puzzles and stuff like that. Like how? So I mean, you describe that you you know, had cards because that's all you had, and yet I remember somehow in between that period of time and us being a little bit older, after you had moved away from uh, Maine, that having like this whole closet full of boxes of different games. So how did how did that come about? Like how did you kind of make the transition from you had a few games in your collection and it was really all about like a community like a real gaming group. That's what we would call it now. We would call it a gaming group. Um, how, how did you transition from that to this giant closet of games? Well, first of all, we discovered some games that were two-player games that we really loved playing together. And one of them was Backgammon, 
and the other one was um, Moncala, the African stone game. And so that was kind of the beginning of us buying games to have at home that we would play with each other or that we would teach um, individual friends as they came over. And we were really looking forward to having kids and um, playing the games with them. By the time, you know, the closet grew, obviously, one of the things was we were both really careful about taking care of games. I think the Monopoly game that we had, that old yellow box where all four corners were broken and taped back together, had been mine since I was a little kid. And we were really careful with them and with the pieces so that we kept them for a very long time. When we had them, we had them forever. I always had asked for puzzles. Um, when I really loved doing puzzles, and so we had several of those too. But we would co we collected games because um, we were looking forward to playing with them with our kids, and that's how it started. From the time that you came, and you talk about being careful with games, you were very very careful with all of the pieces and all the little spinny things. Whatever was in the game, you took really really good care of it. Um, so the games that you had when you were little. You had until you had your brother Michael kind of running through them as a toddler and and we had to replace some of them then but you took really good care of them so we were able to develop this this uh, pretty big closet full of games yeah I mean in that game closet you know I mean I think it serves the same purpose and you know in in my mind as like the shelves that we have full of games for the kids right there was just it was just this pile of you know cool stuff to play with and to experience now there's one game in particular that I think really impacted me and Michael um, and somehow and I don't know if you remember this and if you don't you can just say you don't but do you remember how you came across that Dungeons and Dragons adventure that was in that closet I don't do you remember I don't remember. No, how. I mean there, there was a box it was a Dungeons and Dragons boxed adventure. It didn't have any of the other books like the Monster Manual or any of those things. It was just an adventure that I always asked Dad, you know, if he knew what it was and if he could teach me. And he was like, no, 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 you got to wait until you're older. And eventually, uh, when I was in middle school, I finally convinced him to let me open it up and look at it because, you know, I was in middle school at that point. I was reading like real fantasy novels. So he was like, fine, you can take it out and look at it. And by that point, like the, you know, it was easily a decade old and the staples were all rotting away. And, wow. um, but it was, you know, it was, it was, the, um, it was one of the, what was interesting about it. And had I known better, uh, in hindsight, I would have preserved it more, um, because what it was, it was one of the first Dungeons and Dragons boxed adventures, um, that I'm sure maybe dad picked up somewhere along the way or was gifted to him. People and he probably give us games as gifts because yeah. they knew we liked them. So someone might have bought it for him not knowing that it wasn't really a board game, that it was something else entirely. Right. Um, because back then, Dungeons & Dragons, there were a lot of people that didn't, you know, that, that was in the 80s. Right. Um, in the early 90s. So a lot of people didn't really know. They either didn't know what Dungeons & Dragons was or some people, you know, thought it was kind of demonic. Somebody might have bought it for dad as a joke. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you um, know, he worked with youth groups, both yep. at the church and at Silver Lake. And so he would hear a lot about stuff like that from the kids that were in the church groups that he worked with. And it could very well be that one of those kids suggested to him that this might be something that would be interesting. Yep. You know, that, that's the kind of thing that would happen. So we had it. And obviously, I mean, as you know, Dungeons & Dragons... Um, 
you know, the fact that we started playing, I mean, that has shaped a huge portion of our interest in fantasy, and obviously both Michael and I LARP, um, which, you know, we've talked about that on the podcast before, too, that that's something that, you know, that one box, that one little box in the closet has shaped, I mean, I've, we've been LARPing for almost 20 years at this point, you know? It's pretty interesting, too. I don't know if you know this, but it, it, there was a lot of, when the whole Dungeons & Dragons phenomenon came out, there was a lot of social pressure against parents allowing their kids to play Dungeons & Dragons. I people, remember. Yeah, people used to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you let your kids play with that. Isn't it like demonic or something? I mean, people really thought that there was something negative about it. Well, I remember... We had to, we had to like, defend it, that it was a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember when Michael was in middle school, he had a mentor at the church, the lady that helped him with photography. Right. And she, he, they would go out on long drives for him to take pictures. And she would and talk to him about his interests, and he talked about Dungeons and Dragons. And I remember her coming up to me and Dad and saying, well, he keeps talking about this Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and I would really recommend against that because I don't think that's a great idea for kids to get involved in. Um, at which point... I still remember to this day, um, to dad, you know, responding to her and saying, no, it's just a game with some make-believe, and it also depends on, you know, what you do, and I trust my kids to, you know, they're the heroes, and it's just make-believe, it's cowboys and Indians, um, and you get to choose what kind of cowboy you are. And well, she, she, she accepted, believe it or not, I think she accepted that answer as well as a lady who was probably nearing her 80s at that time could. You know, I'm sure she, I mean, she was not, you know, she, she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he did so he defend just, it. He defended it, yep. He had a, um, it felt like a very practiced response. And I remember thinking to myself that he had probably given that answer a couple dozen times yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Maybe more so because he was a minister. But yeah, people would ask him about whether or not he thought it was okay for for us to, for you guys to play with it. And he felt it really was. Yeah, I mean, the, the only reason he hasn't played is just because he never had the time. Right. Um, and then the only reason he hasn't tried LARPing with us is because, you know, obviously he's a little physically older, but also because he works on Sundays and most LARPs are on weekends. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that kind of makes things a little bit harder. Um, so, so that's the board game he's stuff. He's really so not much of an outdoors guy. He's not much of an outdoors he guy. He really isn't. That would not appeal to him. It would not. No, he's not. That's not his thing. So... So, he likes games, I'll tell you. He's on his phone playing games two or three hours every day if he has a chance to because he loves games. Well, I mean, he's certainly a king micro or a multitasker. Yeah. You know, while he's watching TV, he'll have his phone out playing around. And he's talked to me about some of the games. And I know he listens to the show, and whenever I make suggestions, he, you know, takes a look at those, which yep. is cool. Yeah. Um, an unintended um, portion of my audience. Didn't think Dad would be taking game recommendations from me, but I'm glad that he does. Yeah. So so that's the board game piece. So obviously you guys have always been super supportive of the, 
you know, you guys have obviously been super supportive of games in general because they were a big part of your lives. But, and that's, you know, the board games and the card games. But, I mean, you guys were around and were adults during the, the video game boom, right? Where we switched from arcades to, like, the home console stuff. So, how did your gaming life change when games went from analog, like, board game stuff to, like, electric pinball and Pong and Atari and stuff like that? Like, how did, did your, did your kind of experience with games change at that point? Oh, yeah, it really did. When we first got married and didn't have kids, um, we used to go to a, a, a place where we played pinball in a strip mall near where I worked. We went every day after after work. We'd stop in for an hour, an hour and a half before dinner and play pinball. It was an expensive hobby, actually, but we re both really liked to play. And um, we were very excited to be like one of the first of all of our friends. First of all, we bought, got we got Pong, where you just kind of played table tennis on either side and put the ball back and forth really really simplistic but we played it for hours really enjoyed it I think that car that your dad's parents gave us that as a gift and that then we started saving our money for Atari and we really made it was a very very important thing for us to um, save our money and but we bought one Atari as soon as we could and again, it was really based on our social life because we would bring, have our friends come over and we would play together with the Atari in teams and sit for hours and watch other people play it. Um, we really enjoyed it. So that was, that was a really important thing. And we stopped going to the pinball place and going to other places. It just was a, it was a much healthier environment to be at home and have Atari. And I think you were born during that time, right? Because we somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah. Somewhere in that neighborhood, and so it, what? It was even more important because we were at home with a kid, and it was really fun to be able to play electronic games at home. It's really fun. Yeah, well, certainly I have carried on that tradition. So, um, and I've told this story on the podcast, and I tell it whenever I, you know, talk about how I started gaming. Um, you know, when we when we were. When I was growing up, the the whole first my neighbors, Mike and Matt next door got an NES. You know they they had one almost as soon as I remember being able to go over there and spend time with them when I was younger. They had one and I remember playing with them and coming home and asking for one and you guys saying, oh well, you know sounds like something you could ask for Christmas and you know. But in the meantime, you guys pulled out from this shelf on the top of the basement stairs, you pulled out the Atari, and you know what? It wasn't what I asked for, but man, was it, it, it definitely held us off for a while. Um, yeah, you enjoyed it. Because that was also, you know, kind of, if I remember my timeline correctly, that was, well, that was after the crash. So, um, or right around the time of the crash where, you know, Atari, where everything kind of went away and video games were kind of maybe going to go away. And so you could go to a garage sale then, and I still remember it when I was younger, I, you would send me to garage sales every once in a while with like three bucks, and I would come home with like a handful of games that I had never seen before, and some of them were terrible, but, the, <laughs> but 
you know, but the idea of, and I still do that to this day, the idea of like trying to bargain hunt and finding more games for not a lot of money. Like I still remember doing all that. Um, and man, it was fun. You were good at it too. You found some real gems. Yep. Yeah, you did. You played with that Atari for a long time. And then I remember one day, and we tried to figure it out. We can't even, I can't even remember what time of year it was or what season because we were indoors. But I remember there was one night, it was after school. Um, you guys, you brought me inside and, and Michael and maybe, maybe Katie, but, but she was super young. Yeah. And you brought us and you sat us down in our living room and you were like, all right, hold on. Dad's got a surprise for you. And you sat us down and he walked in with this giant bag. And I, I, I remember up until that point, I had no damn idea what you were doing. Right. Like for all I know, you could have, you know, who knows? It yeah. could have been anything. Yeah. Um, and he, but as soon as I saw the big square shape in that bag, I knew what it was. Um, and I didn't believe it. And he had gone out and I know you guys had saved like crazy. Yeah. Um, to get that NES, and it was the end. We had it. It was a and big so, deal to us. And then we had to wait downstairs while Dad went up to install it, and it felt like an hour. <laughs> it was the worst. And so we went upstairs, and Dad was playing Duck Hunt. Yep. And you thought it was the coolest thing, and I still remember you laughing when the dog popped up and was laughing <laughs> yeah. when he couldn't shoot anything and then I remember hey is it cool if I play Super Mario Brothers uh, to which at that point you had no idea what the hell it was no you never idea. seen it no um because back then you didn't see TV commercials for stuff like it's now if I'm like hey I want to play Call of Duty you had an idea what that was because right. you saw the commercials or you read about it or right. something like that that wasn't how games were covered back then so you had no idea what the hell Super Mario Brothers was. Right. Right. And so I, and you were like, you know, so I, I remember you looking at dad and being like, is this okay? Is it safe? Can he do that? And um, that, of course, and I was like, of course it's fine. Yeah. Let me do it. And I played it and you were like, holy crap, you know? And so <laughs> that little interaction, right, was... I still, you know, bill it as being like, I still do that today. That's like that one question, like, is this okay, is a drivable force behind what I do. Like that one little interaction is, you know, yeah, of course it's okay. Yep. You know, maybe not everything was. And I remember us having arguments about whether or not Castlevania was too violent. Right. Or, you know, like you wouldn't let us buy Mortal Kombat. Right. Um, even the Super Nintendo one that didn't have blood in it because you knew that that was just blood that they changed the colors on. <laughs> and, um, like, you know, I remember a lot of those discussions, but, like, you guys gave us just enough freedom to really kind of experience everything that was great without letting us get ahead, get ahead of ourselves. Um, and I think that, I mean, I know you guys were really, you know, supportive and really interested in having us play, and I... And why was that? I mean, because back then, I mean, I remember being called a idiot, you know, yeah. and like people were super down on games because everybody's down on new media. I mean, I'm sure you guys dealt with people freaking out about rock and roll and record players. Right. Um, so what, 
So why were you guys so interested in letting us play while it was, you know, and going against the grain, as it were? Well, we had we had a real strong um, desire for you and Michael to have something to do together, and in particular, um, something that would be really good for Mike, for his social development. Um, Michael had some issues when he was a little kid, and he didn't necessarily fall easily into um, being with a big group of people, but he when you and he were together and you were working on a project together, like playing a game, um, it, it was hours and hours of really positive interaction between you and Mike that um, was something that Michael could excel in and, and would be really good for him. And he was really good at it, right? Right. And it was something that he could talk to other people about. Um, and it's, that's why it was so important to us. It was, a, it was a, just as it had been an important part of our social life when we were in school, it was a really important part of your social life and Michael's when you guys were young. And we really wanted to do whatever we could to support, um, you know, you guys having fun together and enjoying yeah. each other's company as brothers and um, doing something that would like fit in with and be part of the neighbor, the kids in the neighborhood. Mike sure. and Matthew live next door. And, and something you could talk about in school. It was a very enjoyable time. A, a real positive experience for Mike. And for you, obviously. Yeah. No, I mean, life-changing and life-shaping. Changing is the wrong word. But, so, I mean, I, I think the way I think about it with, with Michael is if he was going to fixate on something, well, well, isn't it that much better that he found something that he could fixate on with me and that was also, you know, like, better to fixate on video games than on any number of other things that, you know, he could have fixated on, like, Roman mythology, <laughs> you know, like, and, like, what good is that going to do? And, and while some people would argue that, like, video games are quote-unquote useless, um, we, all, we all know people who fixate on the New York Yankees, right. the Boston Red Sox, right. and those serve as useful conversational tools and in the modern digital age, knowing about video games is not taboo. Right. You know, exactly. I talk I talk to directors at work about the games that we play. Um, and things like that. So it's it, knowing about games is the same as it's not the same as it used to be. Um, you know, so and you, you guys kind of saw that ahead of time. Maybe some of it was a little you know, serendipity, you know, because it's who knew that video games were going to be as big. Um, but, you know, the fact that he can talk about it in an intellectual way has been of value to him socially into his adult life. And same with me. Right. And LARPing, so important to both of you. Yeah. But particularly to Michael. Yeah, for, well, I, mean, I mean, right down to the fact that he met his wife there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's been really important. I mean, if the he, other The if, other important thing yeah. about that, though, was that it was a safe activity. Um, it was a time when, you know, I hate to say when I was growing up, but when I was growing up, you know, kids would get on their bikes and leave the house in the morning, be gone all day, and come back when the streetlights came on. I mean, it was a really safe world. When you guys were growing up, um, the world was changing, and having something to do that's really fun at home with your brother that, that was safe, um, Rather than you know, we lived on a busy state road. We had, I mean, it just it just was a really good. I hate to use the word wholesome, but kind of wholesome activity to be spending time together 
um, on a gaming system, especially when you were building something together. So yeah, yeah, I, we really we really enjoyed that. We loved watching you guys playing together. Yeah, well, and we we certainly enjoyed playing it. So the, I mean, one thing I I want to talk about is you know, one of the things that you mentioned during our kind of pre-production chit-chat before we, I hate to call it a meeting because that just sounds way too official. We were right, having, right. We were drinking Dunkin' Donuts and driving on a highway. Um, but one of the things you talk about is like, you know, the different skills that we learned while we were playing games um, and how you thought some of that was valuable. And one of the things that I have, that I still remember is like the negotiation that, you know, all my learning how to negotiate and discuss, you know, between figuring out what video game to rent on Friday, because, you know, I know that was big for a whole bunch right. of years. We would go to Blockbuster or Galaxy Video or whatever was around and rent a game on Friday and bring it back on Sunday night. Right. And the negotiations about what we would bring home. I still remember some of those Friday night discussions. There was a video store that was like underneath a furniture factory back right. where we used to live. Right. And we would go and we would pick one game. And we would pick it on Friday night after school and we'd have to bring it back like on Monday. You know, you would do it after work or something. And it was, you know, some of those were some hard fought discussions. Right, had to be something you could beat the weekend because it, you'd have to bring it back. Yep, yeah. or if it wasn't, we would have to, you know, we, we had, a, there were lots of criteria. We, man, we, we struggled. Um, but Not to mention what to ask for for Christmas and, then, and birthdays. And then Christmas and birthdays because, you know, as many folks know, you know, my birthday is in November um, and Christmas is obviously in December and then Michael's birthday is in March. So we, you know, so we would very often, you know, we would get the holiday preview, you know, because we got Nintendo Power forever. Um, thanks to you guys. Right. Um, I still remember, you know, it took a while to convince you guys to let us get the Nintendo Power Magazine because it was an investment. We didn't have right. a lot of money, but the, the, you let us get into it initially when they gave away the free game. Remember when they gave right. away Dragon Warrior? With, and they're like, and you were like, wait a minute, so we can buy a magazine for a year and you get a free video game? Um, man, I still remember when that game came in the mail. Right. Whew. And um, games were expensive, right? Games were expensive. I mean, they were, yeah. No, it was a real good value yeah. for us. Um, and I know I've now that I listen to like video game podcasts and things like that, so many people have the same kind of journey as me, where yeah. they started reading video game magazines. And really, once you saw what that magazine was and how much me and Michael just tore that magazine apart, you know, it was like the the Trojan horse. Because once you saw it and how much value we got out of it. We never, I mean, until I left the house, we were, we had subscribed to it. Absolutely. Um, and I would remember getting like the Nintendo Power towards the end of the summer where they would do that holiday preview and me and Michael <laughs> would sit down and make a battle plan. Right. Because most of the games we got were between my birthday and, the ho and his. And sometimes we would be able to put together some money from mowing the lawn or doing whatever to be able to grab something relatively inexpensive, you know, every handful of months in between. But like the big stuff came at the end of the year. And those were some of the harshest negotiations. I wish we had saved some of the papers. Yeah, right. Where we made like our lists and like narrowed them down one by one. I mean, in retrospect, 
Yeah, I want to say too that we, we got we can't overlook the fact that I know you're both young adults now, but you guys were more than four years apart in age. Yep. And if you're a parent and you've got kids that are, you know, four years apart, that's a that's a lot of years apart when your kids are little. And yep. it's hard to find things that kids not only enjoy doing together but want to cooperate on. Cooperation among your kids is like one of a parent parent's biggest goals. Yep. And it was it was a really important part to us of this that this was something that you guys did together and that friendship developed and you know to this day you guys are still close and and i think that that's in a large part responsible for that what do you think i i think i mean gaming is always something that i mean we're going to pick them up now and we're probably going to drive you crazy hopefully we'll buy a magazine or something so you won't lose your mind but <laughs> we're going to talk about you know games in some shape or form for a whole lot of the drive back. Yeah, we call that nerding out. Yeah, it's definitely nerding out. Nerding out. Absolutely. And, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the gaming that we do, we want to do together. Like, Michael bought a PlayStation 4 so that he could, he and I could share games together. Right. You know, he just wanted that experience. Um, and we've always shared games and, yeah. you know, shared experiences and magic cards and you know, that's why it's such a treat to have him on my show because talking about games is something that he and I have done since he was five. Well, from a parenting perspective, it has been awesome to watch you guys. And the other thing that's happened is that we were always able, you negotiated with each other, but we also negotiated together. You learned a lot about what our resources were as a family and what was reasonable to ask for. Yep. And so that's a really important lesson for parents to share with their kids. And we learned that we could trust you because you wouldn't ask for something that was inappropriate. Yep. And we knew that we could count on you for that. And so there were a lot of other like parenting benefits for the family. And I know you were good to Katie too, when she got old enough to have like the first games and things that they probably were pretty boring to you, little girl games and stuff like that, but you were pretty good to her. And so, you know, that was, it was real. I mean, in addition to the fact that we also sat around the table and played Hungry Hungry Hippo and Candyland. And I mean, we still had board games in our life, especially when you kids were little, especially when Katie came along because she really loved board games and the pinker and more ponies there were involved in it, the more she, she liked it. She absolutely loved it. Kind of like your little Maggie. Um, you guys were good with her about that and very patient with her about that. So there was there were a lot of parenting benefits to having a house that was focused on gaming and your kids gaming together as opposed to sitting in front of the television and watching cartoons for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, which we still found time, but you're right. I mean, the fact the, the fact that we are so used to, like I still struggle sometimes with watching long stuff because I am so used to the bulk of my entertainment being interactive. Right. Um, you know, a lot of folks that don't know, and that's getting to be a less of a issue now. Um, but I remember back in the 90s, you know, when I was a teenager, people assuming that video games was a mindless activity. And I never really under, I never had the words to talk to them, but like, it may be a sedentary activity and I will accept that. Um, and that is a valid and legitimate criticism and one that 
that's where balance comes from and that's where, you know, absolutely, you know, my kids have to spend a lot of time outside and me, right. Michael and I spend a fair amount of time outside too. Right. Um, you're really good at that too. Um, One of the reasons we liked LARP so much yes. is because it introduced a physical Yeah, absolutely. Component. Yeah. Um, but it was never a mindless activity. No, because not at all. The game, you know, in order to play games well, you have to be very mindful. Right. Um, you have to think about what you're doing, and um, I never had the words for that. Um, you know, I do now because yeah. I still fight that battle on a regular basis with some older folks um, that bring it up. But you know, it, having that exposure was important, um, and it certainly has had value. And now that I, you know, essentially run a business built around it, um, and am educating a whole new generation of parents on on the games, um, I thought it would be interesting to bring you on and talk about how our experiences early on shaped me, you yeah. know, um, you know, my negotiation skills and my interests and, you know, and also, you know, games are a huge part of my life and it's not a bad thing, right? Like everybody's got to really have a thing. thing. It's a good thing. And it's man, a really positive thing. There are worse things I could have. <laughs> well, we've been having fun this week with all our generations. Yesterday, we started off with Meggie playing board games, playing Coconut Monkeys or whatever it was. What's that game? It's called Coconuts Crazy Monkeys. Coconuts Crazy Monkeys with Meggie, who the smile went from ear to ear, and we were all involved in it. We were all having a great time, and we played straight through until we all basically fell asleep at the table playing cards, the four adults. And I just think it's such a wonderful activity for everybody to be together. And that brings us back to your earlier point about the moral lessons that are involved. And it is true that, you know, I, I really firmly believe that parents need to be aware of the fact that you're making a movie every day and your kids are watching it and you're the director and you got to make sure that to the maximum extent possible, the movie they're watching, they're learning something from about how to be a happy, successful person. And I think that parents who enjoy playing games together and being with, with other people is a really, really valuable thing to teach your kids for all the reasons that we said before. I agree, 100%. So, you heard it, folks. I'm going to steal that line, probably. Um, you're making a movie every day. Every day you're making a movie. Your kids are watching it, so you, and you're the director, so you yeah. may as well make it something that they are learning from. Um, because the reality is they're going to learn whether you like it or not, so make there it a good go. one. So this has been a very special ride-along episode of Engage, a family gaming podcast. I appreciate your patience. Obviously, these episodes do have some audio issues, but we thought this would be valuable um, to do, and it was certainly fun for us. So we hope that you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely love it if you'd head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and give us a review. Maybe head on over to Podbean. Uh, go to engagedfamilygaming.podbean.com. Leave us a review or join our Facebook community at engagedfamilygaming.com slash community. Let us know how you like it. Maybe we'll have my mom on more often if you like hearing her. So, um, and next time we won't do it in a car. You know, we'll do it in a recording studio and all that. So, until next time, 
Get your family game on. We'll see you next week. Bye now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week.